It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, well, good morning, Elevate Church. Great to see you this morning. Uh, look, before we get into this message series, kickstart that. It's uh, early in the month, my first time preaching this month. And we like to highlight what God's been doing in the last month through us reaching people and building people in the digital space. Because as we gather... And we love to gather, you know, church isn't just about content consumption. Church is about creating community and journeying through life together. However, these days, we're not just limited to what we can do in a 15K radius. And uh, God's using both our podcast and uh, our online experience to reach more people and build into more people. So we love that. All that we see isn't all that there is. So in our podcast space, we'd like to celebrate some new countries who have joined in the previous month. Now check these out. Here's four brand new countries who have uh, listened to. And by the way, our uh, podcast uh, distribution platform, let's call it that, uh, used to just tell us downloads. Now they've kind of gone a little bit more micro. Now they tell us listens. So it's one thing to download a message, another thing to listen. And the listen number is lower, which, you know, initially dents your ego, but it's more realistic because ultimately that's what we're looking for. So in the last month, this is in September, Turkey, Poland, Latvia, and Estonia have all joined us. So how about we welcome them and everyone else joining our podcast today. Brilliant. And you, as well as us here in Perth, are joining us at the beginning of a brand new series called Anxious for Nothing. I'm going to dive straight in. If you've got your smartphone within arm's reach, and let's face it, when's the last time you went to the toilet without it being in arm's reach? And if you did, you panicked and you left and you got it and you came back and started all over again. Anyway, uh, of course, I've never done that. Uh, how about you scan this flow code? And what it's going to do is it's going to take you to really the slice of a letter that was written that's going to be the basis, and it is the basis for the name of this series as well. It's going to take you to Philippians Chapter 4, and I'm going to drop us into the New International Version. Now, in Bible college, they called this the Book of Philippians. Rubbish. It wasn't a book. It was a letter. And it wasn't written by someone named Philip or a group of people called Philippians. It was written by a guy named Paul, who was like an Elon Musk character in the early church, to the church in a place called Philippi, which is in eastern Greece, okay? So he was writing this to them. And this, where I'm gonna drop us into chapter four is actually like the, the end of the letter. Sort of like, a, and in conclusion, let me just kind of, you know, wrap it all together, what I've just written and instructed you. Here's some more important stuff. Let me, let me, let me read this. And, okay, I'm just gonna read it. Do not be anxious about anything. Uh, Paul, you're not meant to lie. Jesus is watching. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Right off the bat, I wonder if we might even just look at that first bit of the line here and think, okay, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's possible 
but it's good to have some aspirational goals in life. That even if you don't hit them, as long as your trajectory is moving in that direction, you know, probably that's a good thing. Paul's not putting this up as an aspirational goal that we will never, ever get to. He's putting this up there and saying to us, this is actually possible. And you're like, oh yeah, sure, Paul. Easy for you to write that, mate. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the family I was raised in. You don't, you haven't met my boss. You, you didn't, Raise my kids. So what do you know? Well, let me, let me give you some context. Paul was writing this letter to the church in Philippi from a prison in Rome. And, you know, it wasn't the sort of prisons that even on the Netflix world's worst prisons, it's like worse than them. Back then, he was arrested for preaching about Jesus, which is still a crime in some countries in the world today, sadly. But that was the crime he committed. And he was locked up with no assurance that he would ever leave that prison, that he would even live another day. And this is what he wrote from that physical place, from that situation. So, you know, look, I'm not necessarily into arm wrestling over this sort of stuff, but I would have to think, even some of y'all who may be experiencing a little bit of anxiety in your life right now, Paul wins. Just a thought. Well, if you think that this was bonkers, he actually sandwiched this in between two other equally bonkers thoughts. Rejoice in the Lord always. Ah, in case you missed it, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Guy from prison. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Guy in prison. And the peace of God, guy in prison, which transcends all understanding, which means it's not related to your circumstances. It's not limited to your circumstances. It's not guided by your circumstances. It transcends your circumstances. Your friends will think, how in the world do you have peace given that you're struggling with this thing? And you go, I don't even understand it myself. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hello, how's that for an aspirational goal? That you will be a person that will be able to rejoice always. That you'll be a person that will be able to live day to day anxious for nothing. That <laughs> and to wrap that all up, you'll be somebody who has the peace of God, not just hovering out there in the ether, but guarding your heart and your mind. Rejoice always, be anxious about nothing and have the peace of God guard your heart in mind. Now, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but how about you be honest with yourself and look at this list, great list. Just ask yourself the question, I mean, really, 
is this even possible? Or, or had Paul just been eating too much rubbish prison food? <laughs> and some of you may look at this list from a very first-hand perspective because anxiety is the number one mental health condition in Australia today. One in four people, the statistics are, will experience anxiety at some point in their life in Australia. And, and the statistics are similar in other developed and developing countries around the world. And it could be something that starts as acute anxiety. You know, you get diagnosed with a health issue that you didn't see coming. Uh, you have a relationship challenge, marriage, kids, friends, family, colleagues. Maybe you're in a burdensome financial season and that's causing you to feel some anxiety. Maybe your kids are making some unwise choices in their life and that spikes your anxiety. And then acute anxiety can start to spiral into chronic anxiety where you start to just live under the weight of anxiety as your everyday situation. Sleeplessness becomes normal for you. Unexplained panic attacks just kind of get triggered and sometimes there's a reason and sometimes there's not. Um, and beyond this. And so, you know, that statistic suggests and if we are kind of like representative of the Gen Po that one in four of, of us have, will and have, do and or will experience anxiety at some level in our life. Which, by the way, if you're in that 25%, you're like, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, I get it. That's a lot. But the risk is if you're not in that 25%, and by the way, I don't struggle with this uh, myself, so I'm not in that 25%. The risk is that you might just kind of think, well, this is unimportant. It's a four-week series, so we'll see you in five weeks <laughs> when we're teaching something for you. But here's the thing. I want to invite you to lean in over this four weeks, even if you personally haven't or don't struggle in this area, and really for two reasons. Number one, despite the best efforts of organizations like Beyond Blue Foundation and the Are You Okay Day and uh, the ABC campaign, Act Belong Commit here in, in Western Australia, there is still a stigma attached to anxiety and depression at some level in our culture. And what that does is that adds another layer of complexity and pressure to the person that's already struggling with the anxiety. It, it, it's, it's, they feel like society's, I'm talking in general terms, can feel like society's judging them for being weak. Oh, you just can't handle the job. You just can't handle married life. You just can't. Uh, and, and then there's guilt and shame that gets layered on top of that. And then, the, and then the temptation is, and almost the obvious one, is just to, just to hide, just to drive the thing underground. And it doesn't get better in the dark. Okay, and you can put on a happy face, and when someone asks you, are you okay? You go, yeah, sure, great, never been better. And you know it's not true, but you don't want to be judged. So, so we don't want to be those people. That's not God's best for us. And let me just add, by the way, in some church circles, it's not only looked on the condition, it's not only looked on as weakness, it, it can, it, it's sometimes been looked on and, and judged as a lack of faith. 
Oh, you're just not praying enough. Oh, you're just not trusting Jesus enough. And someone's like, this is not helpful. And again, if you're in a church and that's the prevailing church culture, what are you going to do? First of all, it's going to add pressure that you don't need and you're going to just run and hide. But we want to be the sort of church and God wants us to be the sort of church that this sort of stuff you can put on the table. Not only can you, please put it on the table and let's put it in the light of Jesus, the light of hope, the light of this, this is not going to be the end of your story. And the second part of that is we want to be used in those situations. I shared this with the team this morning. I told them I wasn't going to say this, but now I'm going to say it. Uh, I love the Are You OK Day, right? Because it does technically encourage this sort of stuff to be put on the table. But the problem is sometimes your friend says no, and you're like, oh, crap. Because you have no tools in your toolkit to help them take a next step, and they feel helpless. And this is, and so we're not about to do like a crash course in 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 psychotherapy in four weeks, but but we can still be a more effective friend, spouse, colleague, parent, kid, neighbor, for as and when. We do bump into somebody else, because by the way, Jesus doesn't just call us to be just about us, uh, to maybe just help guide them or help encourage them or help be a friend of them to take the next step. You don't know the 10 steps and you're not equipped and that's okay. But sometimes people living under this cloud of anxiety don't even either know what the next step is or they know it, but they don't feel like they've got the strength and you don't have to be the next step, but you can be the friend that helps them see and, and, and take that next step. And so when you ask them again, are you okay? They say, well, no, but thank you for being my friend and being on this journey with me. And you wear your big boy and big girl pants and let God use us in that situation. So are you all okay to lean in and go on this journey together with us? Fantastic. All right. Uh, and by the way, uh, Rob Mason, it's a four-week series. Uh, I've invited him to teach two of these four weeks. He is someone who, who this is his backstory and he's a mental health professional. So we're going to get a really solid uh, input from Rob as well. All right. I want to drop us into a slice of history for a guy named Elijah. Now, Elijah's CV is that he was a, a prophet, which is like a Bible word for God's spokesperson. Okay. He lived at a time where the king was a guy named King Ahab was not a very good dude. Understatement. And... Uh, Ahab, King Ahab was leading the people of Israel away from the God of Israel and, 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 and leading them to give their worship and attention to lesser gods and idols and all the rest of it, Baal and a whole bunch of, of that. And God wasn't happy because God doesn't like being knocked off number one, all right? And so God said to Elijah, go and tell the king, go and speak truth to power, which is hard at the best of times, but especially when it's an evil dude. And by the way, go tell him this, uh, I'm gonna cause drought in the land for years. And it's, it's gonna upend your kingdom because it's gonna actually destroy the economy and the people are gonna look at you and you got nothing to offer them to help them. So that's what Elijah went and told him. Well, Ahab wasn't happy. And then the drought happened and Ahab was even less happy. 
And so Ahab put a bounty on Elijah's head, got his armies together and made him, Elijah, public enemy number one. So Elijah did what you might expect. He went on the lamb. He went running away from the threat that was after his life. And he was on the run for three years. And they couldn't get him. During those three years, Elijah saw God's presence, God's provision, and God's power in like a Hollywood kind of way, where we read it and we're like, whoa. Uh, Elijah, there was, it was a drought, so there wasn't any food available. He's on the run. You can't just go down to Aldi and things are bad. God supernaturally dropped out of the heavens, cooked uh, raven, it tastes like chicken, and uh, freshly baked bread for the time that, and sustained Elijah through this entire three-year process. The original Uber Eats. Then Elijah raised people from the dead. Hello. Uh, Steve talked about one slice of Elijah's experience last week, which you can listen back on the podcast, where Elijah actually challenged 850 of the kind of, well, we call them false prophets, of Baal and the, and the, and the idols that Ahab was leading the people towards, challenged them to a cook-off. Whose God was gonna roast the barbecue first? These guys, nothing. 850 of them, Elijah, one dude, boom. Perfectly cooked, Texas, slow-smoked barbecue. End of story. My God wins. So this was Elijah's experience while he was on the run. Well, if you thought Ahab was a bad dude, enter into the record his wife. If you want something done properly, you gotta get a woman to do it, she says. Have you, ever, have you ever heard somebody referred to as a bit of a Jezebel? It's not a compliment, just in case you didn't know that. It's used, it's named after Ahab's wife, Jezebel. She forever tainted the name her loving parents gave her to this day. So she's like, okay, I'm onto this. Now Elijah got wind of that, that Jezebel had now taken up the challenge. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and went on into the desert another day's journey. By the way, the first slice of that journey would have been about 100 miles. Now he's gone another day's journey. He came to a lone broom bush, collapsed in its shade, wanting the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. Enough of this, God. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Here was this guy who worked for God, who'd seen God demonstrate his power, his provision, his presence for years. And now he was experiencing acute anxiety. And by the way, if you think, well, how do you diagnose that, Mark? You're not a psychiatrist. Listen, Elijah had figured out in his head that the way to escape death was to be killed just by someone different, which makes no sense, right? But, but see, this is, a, this, is a, this is a look into 
the mind of someone that's struggling with anxiety is, 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 is it doesn't always make sense. And that makes it even worse because it doesn't make sense. And he declares this to God, and this is the title of today's message, Enough of This, God. You know, when you've had enough and you're asking yourself the question, is this ever going to get better? You know, the bills keep piling up and, and, and you're asking for payment extensions and, and then something breaks and you're like, okay, I've had enough. When you're in a busy season at work and then one of your kids gets sick and you have to take time off that you don't have to spare and your boss. When you're trying to make things work in a relationship, a marriage, a friendship, whatever it is, and, 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 and you're just not getting anywhere despite your best commitments or the person says they're gonna do the, the better thing and then they just keep reverting back to the same destructive behavior and you're like, I've just had enough. Is it even worth it? You know, something that just, you know, you've been managing okay, but then a bulge comes and it just tips you over the edge and you're like, I've had enough. Well, I just want to land with a few takeaways from Elijah's journey in this slice of his life. Because one insight is that often when you arrive at a place of anxiety and depression, by the way, I've just said that I don't struggle with this. So when I'm now talking as if it's first-hand experience, which makes me sound like I'm full of BS, uh, just, I, I will let you know, um, growing up, my father s struggled with um, nuclear-level anxiety and depression. He had two clinically diagnosed uh, nervous breakdowns and was hospitalized for months at a time in, in both cases and then spent years in counseling and, 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 and needing medication and so on. So I had a, growing out of first you know, front row seat to this. Doesn't make me an expert, but I'm not completely ignorant to that as well. So just let, letting you know, I'm not just preaching this theoretically because I learned it at Bible college. Um, but but the, the, when the thing kind of gets to be too much, it, 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 doesn't, it typically doesn't start that day. It typically started upstream somewhere and then you get to that place where on this day, I feel like I've had enough. And so that was Elijah's journey. He, he, he got to a place in his journey where he said, God, I've had enough, take my life. This is the only solution I can come up with. But he did some things that kind of led him or allowed him to get into that place. The first one is that he isolated himself. He ran 100 miles away from the, the, the community and the people that he had no one into a land that he didn't know anybody. And then, because he took his servant with him, <laughs> he dropped him off there, his only companion, and went another day's journey into the desert. Now, when you're bumping up against something or someone that's, that's, that's causing you anxiety, it's actually quite... It's actually a pro move, if you can, to try and remove yourself from the circumstance or the individual, just to create some breathing space. In, 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 in therapy, it's, it's, it's called moving into survival mode. 
Like you haven't fixed anything yet. You haven't moved forward yet, but you just, you just, need, a, you just, you just need to get your head back above water, right? Because when you're nostril deep, even the slightest ripple is potentially life-threatening. So to just be able to, so that matters, but, but I'm talking about the, the people who are the cause of the problem, not the people that God has you surrounded with that can help you. They're the people that we ought not to isolate ourselves from. <clears throat> so yes, create margin, of course. Um, so there's going to be friends, people in our sphere, hopefully. Another reminder, do life together. Follow Jesus together. Uh, that can hopefully help us through this journey. And we have access to professionals. For example, counselors and therapists. They might be who you need to go and sit in a room with, don't isolate yourself from them and they can help you because that's what they're trained to do. And in a church where we don't stigmatize that, like I want you to talk with the people next to you about your counselor like you talk about the barista at your coffee shop. Oh yeah, I had a great coffee the other day. Oh, I had a great session with the counselor the other day. Oh great, what'd you talk about? Oh, yeah, oh good for you. Not, oh, Frank sees a counselor. Come on. But you need to see a counselor. Learn how to not be an idiot. You're a great follower of Jesus, but you're a terrible human. Um, but but, but it, it, it's sometimes multifaceted, by the way. So uh, sometimes, and uh, uh, it could be a chemical imbalance. And so seeing a psychiatrist or an MD. That might be the go-to, and they can help, you know. One of my friends did that many years ago, and he had been suffering from mild, low to mild level depression. He said, I feel like I wake up every day with a dark cloud over my head, and I went and saw a doctor, and they prescribed me just this, like, quarter of a, and I take that in the morning, and the cloud lifts, and I just live normally, like, this is a chemical thing. Um, then there's, like, then the, some of it's nutrition like this whole, uh, in, um, by the way, Hippocrates, the founder of uh, modern medicine 2,000 years ago, figured out that the gut uh, informs the health and immune system and the brain and all, is, and I could talk about that forever, but this isn't medical advice. Um, we're getting back to discovering that, how important that is, and so sometimes you might need to see like a nutritionist or a naturopath, or you go the smorgasbord option and have one of everything. Because when you've had enough, you're like, give it all. I'm going the smorgasbord option. I want everything. And do that, absolutely. But don't isolate yourselves. And here's what happened next. Remember, this is like this, this slippery slope. This happened next. Now that he's isolated, he starts allowing the negative thoughts to dominate his narrative. You ever talk to yourself and you thought, this is not very good advice. <laughs> who's, who's telling me this? And then you realize, it's you. And you're like, shut up. And then you says, no. Right? Th like, that can happen. Yeah? Again, a reason not to isolate yourself. And, it, and, it, but, and this is Elijah. This is the dude that, that had... Uh, 
triple whopper big raven thing delivered from heaven. He had raised people from the dead. He stood down 850 false prophets. And now he's thinking, there's no hope. God can't help me. That becomes his dominant narrative. And the close cousin of his thoughts is he forgot God's faithfulness. Here's what I want to remind us. So long as you're still breathing, there's still hope. Hmm. All right, now, full disclosure, I buried the lead earlier when I read out Paul's seemingly impossible, aspirational, never gonna happen, carrot on the stick, never gonna reach it list. So let me go back to that and I'll catch you up. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Here's the lead that I buried earlier. The Lord is near. I'm about to show you that while Elijah ran away, God went with him. God never left him. While Elijah's narrative had changed, God's narrative hadn't changed. While Elijah's lost his memory or, or focus on God's faithfulness, God remained Faithful. And so Elijah's in the desert, asleep, just like, kill me, God. Here I am, easy target. I don't even care how you do it, just make it quick. And God sent an angel and said to him, wake up, idiot, uh, and presented him with freshly baked bread and a jug of water. In the desert, hello. Eat it, drink it, get up. And go to the mountain of God, and God's going to meet you there, which he did. 40-day journey. Elijah arrived there. Go stand on the mountain at attention before God. God will pass by, said the angel. Now he's there. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't to be found in the wind. Well, that's a bummer. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. Uh. And after the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet whisper. Here's the final thought. <laughs> it's never been more difficult in the history of mankind to hear the voice of God. Because we live in the noisiest time in history. Everyone's screaming, posting on social media in all caps. Everyone thinks not only they have the right to an opinion, but everyone has to see their opinion. So many apps, so many platforms, so many streaming services, so many people around the photocopier who think they're right and everyone needs to hear it. So many, so much noise. And you know, if I was God, which I'm not, but sometimes I think if I was, I'd do some things differently. I'd, I'd pick one of the first three options to get Elijah's attention. I'd go full earthquake mode. That'll rattle his cage. I'll go full wind mode. No, mate. 
here we go, I'm more of an arsonist. I'll go some fire. Which by the way, my fellow over 40 year olds, God is not earth, wind and fire. I would not, this is it, right? I, like it, it, would, it makes no sense that God chooses to whisper. Because what if we don't hear him? But here's the thing. We've got to lean in. But there's the good news. He's near. You know the thing about people that are near? When you talk with them, you can use your inside voice. And they'll probably hear you. So long as they're listening. Well, God's speaking, but he's speaking in a whisper. So that's not, so that, that, that's his job done and being done. So our job is to put the screen down. You know, you talk to people, they got the screen going. It's okay, I'm a millennial. We play by a different set of rules. No, you're a human. Put the screen down, I'm talking to you. But God doesn't do this. He says, hey, listen, I got something better than that. Listen. But here's the reality, and, and this is why this is a four-week series. I, I'm not going to button things up. Everyone's problems aren't going to be solved by 11 o'clock today. But, but, but recognize this. Anxiety shouts. Worry shouts. Fear shouts. That's why they can feel all-consuming, because they just keep shouting. And the antidote is, is always there. But it requires us to listen. God is always near, but he whispers. And we've got to learn, learn, learn to hear his voice, what it sounds like. Pay attention to it. Cultivate your responsiveness to it. Now, one of the ways that we do that, let me finish this. One of the ways, that, you know, sometimes if you want to get to know someone, Read stuff about them, even like before you kind of spend time with them. God wrote a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and when we read it, we actually get to know him. Uh, sorry, if we read it. How presumptuous of me. Uh, so here's what we're doing. Let me throw this up on the, on the screen. And I think we just leave this up here for, for a bit. Um, we, you can use the Bible in whatever form you want scrolls of papyrus, no one cares. It's not the material, it's the words that, that matter, right? Um, so whatever delivery mechanism is up to you. There is an app called the Bible app. It's been downloaded a gazillion times. Tim, I'm not looking at you right now. Uh, and uh, about three, four months ago, they set a new feature in it um, where you can set your church, in our case, Elevate Church, as my church in the app. All you need to do is scan this and it'll automatically, you do need to have the app installed and an account login credentials created. But once you do that, scan this, it'll take you there. What we've been using it for since they launched it is every Monday, we publish a featured reading plan within the app based on the topic that we've taught on the Sunday. So literally tomorrow, uh, we'll be publishing a Bible plan that was actually uh, created by the creators of the Bible app called, you're never going to believe this, Anxious for Nothing. Uh, I didn't create it. I just have a curious nature. I found it. 
Um, it's going to go there tomorrow, and we've just been going through it together uh, at your own pace, you know, it's like, like, but it's kind of, I think, a five-day plan tomorrow, so we're kind of like within the week following, but this just helps us take a deeper dive and, and listen to the God who whispers, you know, like, imagine if this turned up in one of the top three apps that you use each week when Apple send you the shaming notification of how much screen time you've spent. Thanks, Apple. Didn't know anyone was watching. Um, there you go. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.